Hey folks, Steve Weens, uh, welcome to This Good Word, and we are in the midst of a global pandemic called COVID-19, the coronavirus, and what I'm hearing from people in my own congregation, what I'm feeling myself, is this overwhelming sense of like, the question behind the question behind the question is, what do we do with this level of uncertainty? Schools are closed, restaurants are closed, the Dow Jones is plummeting, um, the travel bans are increasing, social distancing is mandatory, uh, people are working from home, trying to f- figure out what to do with the kids, uh, and they're just, and every day some new piece of information comes out that is kind of alarming, not not kind of alarming, that is alarming. And so I want to deal with today on this episode, uh, the question underneath the question, which is what do we do during times where we really, we understand maybe for the first time that we aren't as in control of our lives as we thought we were? It's not like suddenly we've lost control. Times like this reveal, I think, that we never were in much control anyway. 20 years ago, when the planes hit the Twin Towers, and we all can remember where we were. I was at work at a little church in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and we, as we watched on the TV, uh, the smoke and the first tower falling, I remember feeling such a sense of like it was surreal, meaning I I didn't even really believe it at first. And um, we suddenly, I mean, we all woke up that morning. It was just a normal day. It was September 11th. And then in a moment, everything changed, you know, and for some of us, We lost loved ones for others of us. uh, It was just a really scary time, but everything changed in in a second. And when moments like these happen, maybe you get a a sudden cancer diagnosis or a loved one has a stroke or you lose your job. And I'm not even talking about like during this time, the coronavirus, but in other times, any time a major event like that happens that's surprising that we couldn't we couldn't predict it it leaves us with a sense of like tremendous a tremendous sense that we really like everything is far more uncertain than we thought it would be and what do we do with that and so basically when these things happen our illusion of control gets exposed as being false, that we really aren't as in control of our reality as we think we are. And it's good to make plans. It's good to be planful. It's good to um, have an idea of what you're doing, where you're going. But there are just so many things in life like this that happen that, that send us spinning into a whole new reality and our lives change forever. And we can either, I think our choice during this time 
no matter what the outcome of, no matter what level of uncertainty is hitting you right now, and it may be major, I still think all of us have the choice of whether we're going to tighten our grip on the illusion of control and basically double down on the things we can control <laughs> uh, or we can enter into a kind of open-handedness and a sense of receiving what is. And by that, I don't mean like just blithely saying, it's okay. I'm not saying that, but there's a way of welcoming reality, even with severe grief and even with huge sadness that is very different from resisting reality and doubling down on control. So I'll give you a super quick example that's sort of minor in order for us to like maybe help understand. So, uh, you know, I still have, uh, I guess they're not small kids in the house, but they're, you know, 11 and 13 and, and they're getting to that age where, but we've always had a really intense house, you know, <laughs> I'm intense, <laughs> big surprise there. <laughs> my wife, Mary's pretty intense and my kids are intense too. And when the intensity gets like from time to time, one of the boys will do something to trigger one of the other boys. Maybe they'll just, just they'll push their buttons because they know how to do it with a word or they just will keep tapping on them physically. And then the other one just kind of snaps and starts yelling at each other. And then all of a sudden, like the, the room, the, the atmosphere in the house goes from, you know, pretty calm and fine to like screaming violence, glasses are breaking. <laughs> I mean, like not glasses that you put water in, like glasses that you wear on your face to see. Glasses are getting snapped, uh, scratching, biting. I mean, it, it can just erupt in a second. And when that happens, if I'm not in a centered place, <laughs> which I usually am not, I respond to that by trying, and I, this is completely instinctual, but like I run over there, I yell as loud as I can, I physically try to separate the two of them, and I just kind of try to, I try to stop the escalation of anxiety and violence by getting bigger and louder and, and stronger. Now, I do think there's probably a time, you know, like if there's real serious harm that's about to happen, I think there's, you know, there's a place for a parent to step in and try to separate kids. But in general, that response, right, when anxiety suddenly peaks, that intuitive unconscious response to, to get louder and bigger and more physical in order to stop the feeling of anxiety I'm going to say we do that in so many ways. Now, it may not look loud or big, but any time that we react to a stressful, anxious situation by essentially allowing our adrenal glands to get flooded with cortisol and then responding from that place to try to like, like instead of welcoming reality and welcoming what is and dealing with it as it is, when we try to immediately 
change direction or silence it or stop it from exploding. Like imagine, you know, you've just uh, shaken up a bottle of Coke and then you're about to unscrew the cap. You know what I mean? Like that, that stuff is going to fly out. Um, but then, and imagine the, the, you know, the cap is gone. So you just put your mouth over it. Well, it's now it's going to flood your mouth and choke you, you know, like it's, that's not a great scenario. Um, it would be honestly better, uh, to allow that pot bottle to play out, to calmly clean up the stickiness and then move on. Now, let's go back to the COVID-19 coronavirus. This is crazy and I'm I'm taking this very seriously. Um I am, you know, I'm working from home these days. We canceled a vacation to Florida. We canceled a secondary vacation where we we're going to go up to the cabin to visit my family. They're up there. Uh, we are bunkering in, man. We are all my meetings are happening online through Zoom, I'm becoming a Zoom expert. I have a book coming out in a couple weeks and I'm concerned, very concerned about how this is all affecting that. Um, and so I'm really, I'm really feeling the compulsion to try to solve problems, fix things. I'm a pastor, so I'm trying to, you know, notice that at times, um, I uh, maybe I'm trying to solve problems before they can even be solved versus just naming the reality of things are hard right now, right? Um, and I think he, here's, I want to offer several ways that this disruption can be an invitation into welcoming reality as it is, okay? So lately I've been, so number one, meditation, silence and meditation. Lately, I've been re-upping my, my meditation practice. And so what I do is essentially I take, I, um, I sit, this is early in the morning when nobody else is awake, so it's totally silent. I open up my iPhone, set a timer for 10 minutes, and then I focus on, on an in-breath and an out-breath. And on the in-breath, uh, I use a mantra. And that mantra can change from time to time. Um, the one I've been using lately is I am in God or I am hidden in God. God is hidden in me. I am hidden in God. God is hidden in me. And I try to do that for 10 minutes and here's what happens. You know, if you've tried to meditate ever, you know that you're following your breath and then all of a sudden you're thinking about an email you have to write or you think, are you worrying about a meeting that's coming up that day or, or you're thinking about, wonder how the Dow Jones is going to open this morning or whatever you're thinking about. And, and then the guidance is to just lovingly, gently notice that you had that little interruption and then just kind of watch it watch it float away like a cloud flying through the sky, floating by, and then you return to your breath. And the reason why this is such an important practice for us right now, I really think, is because it is training our minds to not get swept away in the anxious thoughts. Here's what our minds do. Our minds are trained 
to solve problems, to see things in dualistic categories as good or bad, right or wrong, true or false. Uh, and we are, our minds are always working to um, like run away from fear and pain and to move towards safety and security, right? Even when we have, even when it would be a better thing to sit and be in the reality. And so meditation and silence trains us to notice when our brain is over or is working overtime and dealing with uh, something that really can't be put in dualistic categories. We're trying, trying to solve the problem, but it can't really be solved. And so we're going to spin like that rainbow death wheel on a MacBook. And so when we do this more and more, what we, what we can train our, our brains to do automatically is to return to our breath and to be with what is in a much more calm and gentle way, even if it's really intense. Because the truth is that when something like, you know, the coronavirus happens or a really scary health concern happens or a loved one falls ill or we lose our jobs, it doesn't help to let the adrenal glands fill with cortisol and to get big and loud. And, and I'm using that metaphorically. You know what I mean by that? Like to spring into problem-solving action. It really doesn't help. That just really delays the inevitable. So meditation is one of the ways that we can learn to be with what is. And we can focus on the in-breath and the out-breath. And that is not solving any problems, Kang. It really isn't. But it's calming your mind so that you can accept reality more easily. And when you accept reality more easily, you are given a set of lenses to look through where you see things as bigger than dualistic categories. You see things through the soul and spirit lens, and you can begin to sort of transcend that problem solving, getting bigger, uh, you know, um, <laughs> cortisol filling our adrenal glands type of living. So that's practice number one. Folks, we'll get right back to this episode. But I wanted to let you know that I have a new book coming out on April 7th. It's called Shining Like the Sun, Seven Mindful Practices for Rekindling Your Faith. And today I just want to read what practice number one is. It's called attentiveness. To become aware and awake to the present moment, I practice attentiveness. Learning to return to here so I can find God waiting for me with love in the eternal now. Here's a quick excerpt from that chapter. Rekindling your faith isn't just about learning to return to here in the big sacred moments of life. It's also about learning to return to here in the very ordinary moments of life. One autumn day while I was raking leaves, my son Ben called out from a corner of our backyard. Come over here, daddy, he said. Look, dry leaves crunched under my feet as I walked toward Ben. He was pointing at a plastic red rose, bright and beautiful, smiling at us from the other side of the fence. Someone had planted it from behind a small pine sapling, easy to miss unless you have Ben's eyes, which always seem to see what's hidden in plain sight. 
When I bent down to look at the rose, Ben's eyes were shining. He was seeing way more than I was seeing. I think that plastic rose might actually have bloomed to life, but you'd have to ask Ben. Who cares if the rose was fake? The story isn't about a rose. It's about returning to here and seeing my son, Ben, who has way more to offer, even than the satisfying feeling of getting a job done quickly. You can pre-order my book by going to steveweens.com books or to searching for Shining Like the Sun by Steve Weens wherever you like to buy books. Thanks, friends. Now back to the podcast. I think practice number two for us these days is uh, even if you live alone, you can do this. If you live with people, you can do this. But designate a box or a basket where you are going to put all of your devices. Maybe it needs to be big enough to include your laptop, your phones, your iPads, your whatever. And designate periods of time if you're in a family, if you have roommates, and if you all agree on it, if you live alone even. But designate periods of time during the day where you're going to physically put all your devices in that basket and just declare an information and stimulation fast for maybe it's for an hour, maybe it's for two hours. Maybe it's even for like the whole afternoon. Maybe it's from six o'clock on um, every night. I don't know. Don't make it be about a rule. Make it be about rest and caring for your soul because it's so easy to get swept away. And even in this time where it's really important to be updated on on what's happening, because really, I mean, new announcements are happening all the time. You know, the media, right and left, it doesn't matter, is still, has still trained us to be addicted to the news cycle and to now put headlines and clickbait so that we stay addicted and stay connected and stay reading. That's just how it is right now. I mean, they're, you know, the media folks aren't, they're not taking a break, they're working <laughs> over time. <laughs> So that's practice number two that I would suggest. Put a, get a basket, a box, put all your devices in there and have a time every day where you are committed to putting it in there and having a device-free, stimulus-free time. And during that time instead, you might, if you live with people, roommate, family, whatever, play a game with someone. Or if you live alone, read a book, call someone and maybe that's okay. Now I'm breaking the rule, but you know, maybe use your device just, just to make a phone call. Okay. But not to scroll Twitter or check your news sites or, you know, um, take a walk. Uh, we went out for a bike ride last night, our family, and it was cold, man. I live in Minnesota. <laughs> it was like 35 degrees, but, and we were shocked by how many people were outside on the trails. I think you got to move your body. Well, let's actually let's let's let that be a third. Let's let that be a third practice. So the second practice is put your devices in the in the in the box for a set period of time every day. The third practice is get outside and move your body. Um, and again, we went out for this bike ride last night, and it was cold, but we were shocked by how many people were out there walking their dogs. Um, and going for walks as a family, going for walks alone. I mean, it, because right now, physically moving and getting fresh air is is just essential for your well-being and your brain right now. 
You got to have it. You got to get it. So I just strongly encourage everybody, no matter where you live right now, to get outside, get walking, get um, moving, get fresh air. Um, You know, I mean, I am a guy that I like to work out at my club most days. And of course, like every responsible club, you know, my club closed for, you know, so I'm having to get creative about how to do my workouts and stuff. And so, you know, um, my son Isaac and I are going to start doing some runs together every day. And, you know, so now we're going to develop some new rhythms and some new attitudes. Um, so that's number three, get outside and get some fresh air. And number four, I would say, um, and this is a tough one, I think, but get real okay with uh, naming what you need and taking responsibility to get it. Here's what's going to happen. If you live with kids and a spouse that normally maybe you're working away from home and your spouse is at home or whatever, kids are at school, and now you're all together, and there's a whole new reality, folks. It's <laughs> just a whole new reality. <laughs> and you're going to get on your ner- on each other's nerves. And depending on your, on your personality, you're going to make some automatic assumptions of why isn't why aren't people understanding that I need my area to be this way or I need this or I need that. I really think you're going to have to, if you live with people, you're going to have to get real, you're going to like make a pact with like, it's people's responsibilities to name what they need and take responsibility to get what they need, right? Uh, Right now, you are going to want to kill each other if you just assume that people notice that you're starting to lose it and you need to get a little space and time alone, but you don't say anything. Um, so, you know, and that, that's not just with people you live. I mean, you know, I think when you have certain appointments set up and scheduled and you're just feeling overwhelmed and you can't do it. I had an appointment yesterday that I was looking forward to, but I just realized I I had to reschedule it. There was no way I was going to be able to engage with it. And it it was, it was a friendly one. It wasn't a work thing or whatever, but it, it was just a, it was a thing to talk about writing. And I rescheduled it for two weeks. And I think we have to give, uh, we have to take responsibility for ourselves and getting what we need and creating space to get what we need. And there's this sort of weird thing that's happening right now where we're all kind of shut in and there's a sense of like, you know, boredom in a way because all of our routines are disrupted and we can't go anywhere. But that's also... Um, it's it's also combined with the sense of being overwhelmed. Do you know what I mean by that? Because we're reading so many things on the news right now that are so alarming and because the level of uncertainty is so big, it's like we're maybe doing less than we normally do, but feeling more overwhelmed. And I think we have to create space for that or make space for that, to be honest about that. And so name what you need, give each other grace and you know, be okay with rescheduling things and delaying things. That's just reality right now. That's just reality right now. So that would be numero four. 
And then number five, I think, is uh, give yourself permission to let yourself off the hook for certain things, maybe that you had planned on getting done, or even like sort of, you know, like self-improvement projects that you'd started that it just if you're honest you just don't have the energy for it anymore we're just we're 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 gonna need to get in touch with our limits these days i think and right now probably adjusting to new rhythms and patterns whether that be working from home or having kids home when you normally aren't used to that or canceling vacations that you looked forward to and put money down for and lost money on and um or man maybe it's even like navigating reality where now a paycheck isn't coming in and so you got to figure out how to do money right now i mean it, who knows right and so our energies are going to have to be refocused and reshuffled and other things that you had planned on doing that you had planned on figuring out are probably going to have to be put to the side. And I think you're going to have to give yourself grace for that. So um, uh, I think that's an important, important step. Uh, so here's the thing, gang. We are somehow going to make it through this. Uh, but I think we're not going to make it through by doubling down on control. <laughs> um the five, did I do five or four? I can't even remember. The practices I offered today were ways that we can accept reality as it is rather than try to double down on like pushing the beach ball down underneath the water forever. Pretty soon that thing's going to come up. So the practices I offered you hopefully are ways that you can deal with this reality as it is, welcome it as it is. You don't have to like it. You don't have to say it's good. It's not. It's crazy. It's bad. It's really, really scary. But we can welcome something that's crazy and bad and really, really scary instead of pushing it down and ignoring it and by practicing some of these things like meditation, returning to our breath, like putting our devices away for a while, like making sure we're getting outside and moving our bodies and getting fresh air, like making sure we're naming our needs and taking responsibility for getting those needs met, and like giving ourselves permission maybe to jettison that good, good plan that we made two weeks ago or two months ago, because now we're putting our energies into something that is just much more uncertain and much more difficult. So uh, gang, I am gonna keep recording these episodes. Uh, I have some I have some great guests coming up too, actually that will uh, that I can't wait for you to hear. Um, and I hope there's ways that we can be in it together. If you want to send me a message, please, I'm on Twitter a lot. Just tweet at me at Steve Weens uh, or Instagram too. Send me a picture of what you're doing. I'm at Steve Weens on Instagram too. On Facebook, I'm Steve Weens author. So let's stay connected. Uh, we can be creative during this time and we can crowdsource and we can help each other. 
let's look out for each other. Um, none of us can solve the problem by ourselves, but by doing small acts of great love with kindness, uh, we can really make a difference during this time. Uh, so folks, I am uh, grateful for each of you and grateful for this uh, time that we have together every week. Okay, folks, grace and peace. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to This Good Word. If you love this podcast, there's three ways that you can support my work. One is by jumping on Patreon, patreon.com slash thisgoodword. You can become a patron at various levels and get lots of good free stuff, including free tickets to any live events that I do, signed books, and other stuff. The second way is to share your favorite episodes via Twitter and Facebook, uh, email, however it is that you share content. Let some friends know that you love it. And then third is to go on iTunes and leave a rating or a review. So thanks so much, my friends. We are dust and breath. We are limited and limitless. We are human and holy, and we are in it together.